0: Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we are rising, And we're not doing it by further fighting or depleting ourselves anymore. We do it by remembering who we are, and standing in that truth. Here, we remember together through stories, tools, and curiosity. We infuse the sacred with the logic, spirit with embodiment, feminine with masculine. And here, we strengthen by becoming sovereign and whole. In doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Visit sarahpoet.com today to find my archive of episodes, grab your free download of Masculine Feminine Money, and schedule your 15-minute discovery call with me to identify your next steps for your sacred remembering journey. I love supporting you. Now, let's begin. Hello and welcome to episode 105. I am Sarah Poet. I am your host and I am giddy, giddy with Christmas excitement to bring forward this interview at Christmas time. I'm giddy like a kid on Christmas. Um, but really, I'm a sacred, remembering old soul who's giddy to bring this, um, information back. Ah, so today we're going to talk about miraculous conception and Mother Mary and the divine miracle birth of Jesus Christ. And if any of that is throwing you because you have, you know, rejected the church, rejected religion, uh, rejected this idea of this like masculine, you know, God, all of that stuff hang in there because these are resurrection stories. These are stories that um, we are bringing forward in sacred remembrance, in divine remembrance, and calling the truth forward that was buried long, long ago. So my guest today, I'll introduce in just a moment, but here briefly, um, Marguerite Mary Rigoloso and. Marguerite is a PhD who has studied miraculous conception very deeply, and her latest book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, is all about Mary and the lineage of virgin births. So I picked up this book this past spring, I think, when I was um, just getting this hunch to learn more about um, immaculate conception. And Marguerite tells me in today's episode that she actually prefers not to use that word because, or that phrase, it's kind of a church phrase. Um, and instead she uses miraculous conception. So now I do as well. Um, but when I had talked to Marguerite in just a small conversation, then later in the fall, you know i said i really want to know more about these like ancient womb mysteries because there was this like pinging of sacred remembrance this calling me um forward that was happening um in my life to remember more of this womb magic and um you know she said something to me at that time like i think that we're in the act the active remembrance of that um, on the planet at this time and I understand that more um, in talking with Marguerite today and um, and reflecting on this conversation and I do think that what Marguerite has done with this book and and what some others have done in bringing this information forward that you know, Mother Mary was not some peasant who accidentally got pregnant by God. This was um, a mystery tradition in the ancient mystery schools, that women could do this. And um, I'll let Marguerite explain more about that. But it was no accident. And the um the the power of this i mean to be able to incarnate um in and you know so M- mother mary was an incarnate of divine birth herself and then um to conceive honestly like through conceiving um with god in order to bring forward a human i mean these things are very powerful, (laughs) arguably the most powerful, um, you know, magic that a woman could possess and bring forward. And so, you know, these stories were buried, they were buried, um, throughout history and alluded to, um, but the, the divine miracle, the power of what these women were doing was um, hijacked, you know, as we have seen time and time again um, when the stories are written and women's magic is diminished. And so this is an unveiling, um, another unveiling of the truth of that magic. And I am just so, so happy that Marguerite uh, said yes to the invitation to come. Onto to the sacred remembering podcast and share this information at especially this time of year right as we are all surrounded by this christmas story um you know mother mary owed <laughs> to you um, and and the truth that is now coming forward again i will tell you what I definitely had some divine sparks of remembrance in this conversation. There were points in time where I was actually having some sort of remembrance or ping or like a road I could have traveled down as the veils got thinner and thinner. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to um, <laughs> keep it together because I'm interviewing this woman. Um, but there's a lot to look at here. And there was a lot that was personally opening for me. So I would not be surprised if in hearing this episode, you also have openings of sacred remembrance about past lives, about things that have happened in this life where, um, you know, you might be living out some karma or something. Um, you know, this episode honestly highlighted for me in reflection Uh, womb trauma and why I would have had um, womb trauma and specifically traumas that separated me from my children and from the Divine Masculine and from my resources, which is so much a part of my soul's path anyway. Um, but oh my gosh, this really opened some things up for me. So if it opens some things up for you, I would really love to hear about it. And on that note, let me segue to sharing a new review, which I am so grateful for. I love hearing from you all. I love hearing that this podcast is touching your lives. And every week, honestly, the podcast is getting more and more downloads. And um, and I'm hearing from more of you. Uh, and I really am just so grateful that this podcast is touching women's lives. And I know we have some men out there too. (laughs) Hello, hello. Um, And it is just such my pleasure to know that these kinds of podcast episodes, conversations are really opening something for you and sparking that sacred remembrance. So as long as y'all keep coming and keep downloading, I'm going to keep coming and putting these episodes out there and inviting amazing guests. So Yay, this new review, five-star review, simple and potent. She says, refreshingly truthful, honest, and raw. Thank you, Parashakti, for that five-star review. Thank you for putting your energy back into uh, giving a little love back into the podcast. That really matters. Thank you so much. Um, So everyone, please keep sharing the podcast. Share it with your friends Direct recommendations. um, Please leave the reviews on Apple and Spotify. It really does matter because it helps to notify Apple and Spotify that this is a podcast that's worth listening to and that you recommend that other people listen to it as well. And so all of those little, you know, algorithmic things that happen inside of uh, the podcast process that I honestly don't even track that closely because that's not the main reason why I do this. But hey, if more people can be influenced by this podcast, then let's all help to make that happen. I can do so much by putting it out there and sharing and then every single time you leave a review or you share it with someone else, it also helps those ripples affect uh, the, the quantum field right? So let's, um, let's all be inspired to do that. If you are inspired to do that, I really appreciate it. I just want to speak for one more moment and invite you into the Sacred Remembering membership. Um, We have really been looking at this this fall, trying it out, starting with some foundational members. Hey, members. Hey, hey loves. Um, and some really good things have been happening. We had a whole month of a prosperity practice. We have live calls. I'm doing some live energy transmissions in the calls um, this week. In the live call, we were guided into like <laughs> this really high frequency um room space I'll say and then some really um, beautiful light codes downloaded into everyone and into our brains there was like some extra yummy brain um, codex coming in and in the in the light codex that was coming in and so um, you know if you're new to these things if you're new to sacred remembrance if you're starting to have um, you know like I said, pings, like, oh, that feels kind of familiar, or, uh, oh, I'm, you know, interested in this thing called sacred feminine, sacred masculine, I want to know how it um, applies to my life, I want to know about conscious union, Um, I want to know about women's sovereignty, all of these things, all the things that we talk about on the podcast, you know, women's truth, again, energetic sovereignty owning your sacred gifts, owning your sacred self, masculine, feminine energetics, inner masculine, feminine union. I am so happy to hear more women talking about inner feminine and masculine union these days. Yes, 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 we have to do this. Um, Yeah, conscious relationships, prosperity, and more women's resources. Okay, these are the things that we're talking about on the podcast, and these are the things that we are Lifting up, diving into, talking about, um, and, and just interacting with, in community, in the Sacred Remembering membership. So it is $39 a month. It's $33 per month if you just buy a year up front, it averages to that. And, um, we're doing, there's, there's a whole online library that you can navigate by yourself in addition to the live calls. And then something that I'm really embracing and getting into these days, as we're all a little bit sick of social media, I think we are, um, I'll speak for myself, but I've heard it. I've heard it. You, you know, plenty of people say it as well. Um, social media has a lot of different energy in it. And I know that when you open social media, I feel it myself. It's like this decision to expose yourself to a lot of different energy. You don't know what you're going to find. You know, it's almost like you feel like you kind of have to be on it sometimes. But you know, what good is it really doing you? Well, what we're doing with the sacred remembering membership is that we're actually using mighty networks. And so you put the app on your phone, and then you just open the sacred remembering network. Okay. And so it's like our own social media feed. So, everything in here has to do with these topics we're talking about. Everything in here has to do with something that a woman in this community is going through. So, you post, I post questions and conversation starters. You can bring questions to the group, you start conversations. It's a community and it's here for you. So if you are listening to this podcast, and you are increasingly moved by it, I promise you, the next step is this community. Okay, it's affordable, it's interactive, you actually get a lot more value. Um, I mean, it's it's worth the $39 and then some and then some and then some. Okay. And so um, Please, you know, come on in and let's be spending our time really being in the energetics of becoming our sovereign selves, this walk of a sacred remembrance is so important. And as the world is in its awakening, and the energetics in the world are quite messy. And when we're opening Facebook, we're opening Instagram, we're feeling those very messy energetics. And so it's really time to focus on our own sacred remembering journey this sovereign journey this unified energetic of feminine and masculine within and this conscious relating of feminine and masculine between others this is the time this is the unity time and guess what coming full circle to mother mary and the divine christ that she birthed this was christ's message this was christ's message this this incension, this, um uh, by that I mean ascension, but inside of the body and inside of the heart. So we're getting closer to God and getting closer to the sacred, and we're doing that inside of our own remembrance, okay? Are you feeling me? So this was Christ's message, and it was hijacked by the church and completely distorted in a separation matrix. The separation matrix said, Hey, man has power, um, church has power, women don't have power, right? And so it it <laughs> totally contorted the divine union, the divine love, that sacred heart message of Christ in his incarnation. And Christ as the Holy Incarnate who was in divine union with Mary Magdalene, right? Their story was ripped apart. And so here we are reclaiming not only their stories as in this episode today, because of course we're doing that and we're putting their stories on our voice and we're putting our own stories on our voice and We are lifting this up as the time of this holy remembrance of the original message. So you can feel into that. I know if this had landed in front of me a couple years ago and some woman was talking about Jesus having the message and using the word God, I would have been in opposition to that because that didn't feel safe in my upbringing. There was so much distortion. I didn't know what was truth. So I'm not here to tell you what is truth. I'm here to Um, share. I am here to invite you into your own sacred remembrance. And, you know, just stay open, please stay open to um, the recovery and, uh, and the resurrection of, of truth, and truth codes in our Collective, So there's a lot of distortion out there right now. Um, I don't pretend to have my shit together all the time either or to be able to articulate all of these things perfectly. What I do commit to is, um, back to that review that captures it so well, uh, I commit to being truthful and honest and even raw. Okay, and so um, in celebration, of all of that and in the celebration of this time of year that celebrates this birth, let us look now to the mother of that child who was a holy incarnate um, down through a magnificent lineage bringing forth this child, this child of God. And, uh, And so it is. And so, I will read Marguerite's bio, and then we will begin. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for celebrating and exposing truth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. We are here with Marguerite Yozo. And um, welcome, Marguerite. I'm going to read your bio in just a moment, but um, we're recording video and audio this time, and I'm, I'm really just usually used to recording audio. And so here we are looking at one another, and I'm just beaming. I'm so excited for this conversation. Welcome.
1: Thank you. It's really great to be here, Sarah. Appreciate it.
0: Yes. So I, I'm so excited. I'm going to read your bio and then, and then we'll get started. But, um, yes, yes, yes. Marguerite Mary Regaliozo, PhD, is the foremost authority on the history of virgin birth and has taught graduate and undergraduate classes in both the United States and the United Kingdom. She is the director of her own esoteric school, the Seven Sisters Mystery School, dedicated to restoring knowledge about the sacred feminine and to empowering people on their non traditional spiritual journeys. She is the author of three books The Cult of Divine Birth in Ancient Greece. And Virgin Mother Goddesses of Antiquity. And her most recent book is The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception Mary and the Lineage of Virgin. Birds, which is the topic of our conversation today um you can find marguerite at the seven sisters mystery school.com actually i added the word the seven sisters mystery school.com and we will give you more information on where to link up with marguerite at the end of our conversation um but i personally am so excited to have you here marguerite um For many reasons, but here we are talking about Mother Mary and Immaculate Conception, and we are releasing this podcast episode for the Sacred Remembering Podcast right before Christmas, and so we are just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you and I are so excited to give Mother Mary a new reputation as much as we can
1: um, and here in this conversation. So, thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah, you're welcome. I know that gives me chills Ooh, because I think this will be the closest to, you know, Christmas holiday of, of any of my talks that, <clears throat> that there are. So, that's really, really cool. I love the divine timing of this podcast.
0: It's always just way beyond me. But yes, when you and I spoke, and then I was looking at the schedule, I thought, oh, perfect. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Immaculate conception. So... Let's dive in with, um, Mother Mary and, um, setting the record straight a bit. And I know that there's just going to be, there are going to be so many listeners of this podcast that are so graced and blessed by, um, you know, writing her reputation and like developing a new story, which is, the, the true story um, and we're bringing that back now here in sacred remembrance um, and putting voice to this this lineage and um, the, the mystery
1: and the magic that this was. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, as you're probably aware and many listeners are probably aware, um, Mary Magdalene has kind of had her unveiling and her resurrection, so to speak, in the past 30 years with all of this scholarship, as well as things like the Da Vinci Code and, you know, starting with Margaret Starbird, I mean, decades ago. Um, So, we've already had this experience of looking at women of the Holy Family, you know, the Holy grouping around Jesus and looking at them in a new light, in a light that sort of more jives with our intuition, like most of us growing up Catholic are like, there was always more to Mary Magdalene. And there was always, you know, now we're realizing there was way more to Mother Mary. So, so now what this is, is Mother Mary's reckoning. This is the writing of, of our understanding of Mother Mary. This is really just the beginning of it because, um, we haven't had that, the, you know, the plethora of things that, that are under our belts, so to speak around Mary Magdalene yet. This book The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception is really this first unveiling, and it's something that I've been talking about. Yeah, thank you so much for having (laughs) me. It's something that I've been talking about since I finished this major work back in 2007 with my dissertation, my doctoral dissertation, which was about divine birth as a practice of priestesses in ancient Greece. And already at that time, I was starting to look at Mother Mary and her texts and understanding, wow, she wasn't the only one. You know, there were, there were women before her. There were women doing it while she was alive. There were women who did it afterward. But um, so the main thing that I'm bringing forth is that divine birth is a real practice of specialized holy women and Mary was in that lineage. She had a family lineage that was part of it, and she was in a, a culture lineage, you know, all around the ancient Mediterranean world, Africa, really on every continent. There are these stories of divinely born, specialized children who then gave, gave humanity a leg up. And the thing about Mother Mary that's unique is what I'm really uncovering is that she was probably the most skilled practitioner of this, She was the highest elevated practitioner of it. And she gave birth to the highest being of all the births that happened through this miraculous means, um, you know, before, during and after the lifetime of Jesus. Um, And one of the things is one of the reasons why is because it turns out that Mary was divinely born of her mother. And that's the actual, real meaning of Immaculate Conception, because it. Turn, oh, when I looked, the Catholic Church's doctrine of Immaculate Conception is not about Mary's virginal birthing of Jesus. The doctrine states that Mary herself was born without sin, and so what that what that is veiling is this fact that's in her repressed gospel, the suppressed gospel called the Infancy Gospel of James, that her mother was already practicing divine birth before her. And so, she already gave birth to Mary, and that means that Mary came in with a very high divine pedigree so that when she went to become a divine birth priestess, she was already so empowered, so basically one with the goddess herself that this is why she was able to bring in such a high holy avatar as uh, Jesus, because this was the purpose of this practice was to bring in high holy avatars, unusual beings who could give some great benefaction um, or healing or uh, evolution to humanity. Okay, so that's kind of what we're looking at here with Mother Mary and her lineage.
0: And would you say that it was her destiny to, to come and bring Jesus, Yeshua,
1: forward. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I mean, I think that... That's why she came. Yeah, I think it... I'm realizing more and more, this was a plan of the entire Holy Family. And by that, I mean not only her mother, Anne, but Anne's consort, Joachim. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne's sister, according to the Islamic tradition, Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist... John the Baptist himself, Mary's consort of Joseph, Elizabeth's consort Zechariah, and the Magdalene. I feel that, that they, they consist, um, or they comprise this, this holy family, this holy retinue. I think they had multiple lifetimes coming onto the planet. Um, going through the Lake of Lethe, as you know, they talk about in the, in the Platonic tradition where you have the Greek tradition, you have to remember who you are when you come back, something that a lot of us are are trying to do now. (laughs) Now, some of them would come back with total memory, but some of them, you know, it would, they would have to kind of get revved up again. But I think they made this plan to just all come together at that time, around 2000 years ago, um. And they had all had their various incarnations, incarnations, incarnations. And there's a Hindu saint named Sri Kaleshwar who um, had has written a book called The Real Life and Teachings of Jesus Christ. And he claimed to have past life memory of walking with this holy family. He said that Mother Mary had, he says, millions of lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, they were planning, planning, planning. And there was no what's happening to me, let it be done according to thy will. There, there really, that wasn't the reality for Mother Mary. Yeah, she was not a passive victim. She was not an unknowing experiencer of this phenomenon of practically being raped by God, you know, no. Oh gosh, and like this
0: lowly peasant, you know, going off and having this baby in a stable, like, no, no,
1: no, no. No, 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 no. no. They were all really part of a very conscious group that had timed everything astrologically and to, you know, in their timelines to be, boom, we're all going to be here at the same time. And um, they were, they got busy. And Mother Mary was able to achieve this divine birth when she was anywhere between 12 and 16 years old. That's what the infancy Mm -hmm. gospel of James tells us, which is something that was honored in the Orthodox Eastern Christian tradition The Catholic Church rejected it from the Bible, but they kept some of the events for the feast days, these inexplicable feast days, like Mary's presentation in the temple and Mary's um, immaculate conception, you know, from Anne, Mary's birthday. (laughs) You know, it's like, where were they getting this information? And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I'm trying to look. No, I mean, this information was in there in this gospel they did not consider it canonical. They rejected it probably because, you know, it just had too much information that was threatening to patriarchy, yeah, right. um, but but they still kind of honor, you know, these, these figures and these, these events of Mary's life through it. So, it's really kind of a, a strange phenomenon with that gospel, but, um, you know, these are some of the areas where you start finding out this information about Mary, and she was between 12 and 16 years old. Whereas her mother, Anne, and then her aunt, Elizabeth, who gave birth to John the Baptist, they were in their older years. Yeah. Some of these women were practicing this throughout their entire life. They were waiting, waiting, waiting for this actual divine birth to happen. But because Mary was so high and elevated, came in that way, she was like, boom, able to do it right off the bat Mm. at, Mm. at at an early age. Thank
0: you. Now, um, do you talk about the Essenes at all? A little bit.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously, Claire song, yes. you know, in her books, Anna, Grandmother of Jesus, and Anna, Voice of the Magdalens." she's really, she was a major oracle for this information. Yeah. And it turns out she was receiving a lot of this information in her hypnotic sessions while I was doing the, the, the literal research on divine birth. I love it. <laughs> I got at the California Institute of Integral Studies years later through a fluke, I found her book that I thought somebody had recommended a different book. And I got this book and I said, Oh, you know, to my friend, I, I got that book you recommend. And she said, I didn't recommend that book. And I'm like, What? <laughs> So anyway, Claire talks a lot about that these folks were all parts of the Essenes. I do find evidence for that. And I do talk about that in my chapter about Anne's divine conception of Mary and really digging into what the gospel says about that. There are a number of things that Anne does that are very reminiscent of what Philo writes about. Um, It's either Philo or Josephus who writes about the the therapeutae the Essenes. Uh, the Therapeutae were one branch of the Essenes located, um, I'm not sure if it was very North Africa. And so, they would do things like they would have this very sparse diet, and that's what Anne did as, with Mary as soon as she was born. Um, they would compose these songs uh, of praise to the divine. That's what Anne did when her child was honored at a year old. Um, Mm. So so there are these little hints that I see just even in this suppressed gospel. And then, of course, because I was just trying to stick to that, really, um, for for the analysis in this book. But yeah, Claire fleshes it out. And I think it just makes complete sense that Mm. they were part of a different type of holy order. They were not traditional Jews. Yes.
0: Very very much. (laughs) Very much. Yes. Um, So there's a story about Anna that's actually very close to my heart. And so maybe I'll share that in a moment. But um, can you speak to, uh, you say Anne, Claire Hart's song says Anna. Um,
1: Why? Why the difference? It's just a different transliteration. I mean, the original Hebrew name would have been Hannah. Right. You do talk about that in your book. Yes. And so I just, how it gets, you know, translated down is into Anna in the Greek Mm -hmm. or Anne in the Anglicized and French version. Mm -hmm. I tend to use Anne just because it it resonates with me um, Mm. regarding something in childhood. So that's just Mm. the form that's nearer and dearer to my heart but whatever whatever you use as the name it's pretty much the same the same name yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I was curious about that. May I share
0: a little sacred story about this? So um, m- much of my remembrance has been around um, this lineage because my father, who um, did oppress the feminine, loved us very much. Father of three daughters, I was the oldest, um, but very much um, carrying the patriarchal and also some some darker inheritances well. And so, here I come, little starseed, you know, born into this family and have this work of remembering. And I was sitting in the Methodist pews. I mean, Mother Mary didn't even have a place in the Methodist church. Like, no feminine had the place in the Methodist church. And I was listening. Like, as a child, I was listening for where's the feminine. And I knew that something was very inherently wrong because the feminine was like just wiped off and I was only getting messages of pure obedience and, you know, no sexuality as I got older and things like that. And so my little rebel heart was like very much interested in um, bringing this truth back, and um, such that I became um, well. I was always like sensualized, you know. Um, it, it's, it's a part of being a woman, and I end up getting pregnant at the age of eighteen. Um. And, you know, from that kind of upbringing, you can imagine the the shame, the religious shame, the sexual shame, but also, um, you know, the message of you haven't made something of yourself yet, right? So, you're not supposed to be pregnant because you got to go to college, you got to do all these things. So, I'm... <laughs> in the basement, like they put me in the basement of my parents' house when I go home from college pregnant. They put a little twin bed up and like no bedroom door, you know, it's just like the pregnant girl in the basement, okay? And one day, I'm like, the baby's big enough to be moving, and um, I hear this very, very clear message. Her name is Anna Faith.
1: Oh, my God.
0: I know. I just, I'm, I'm having full chills. I'm like, she's here. Anna's here. Um, and her name is Anna Faith. And it was so clear. I could not argue what? with it, but I did argue with it because I said, I'm not naming this baby Faith. Faith is about my father's, like my dad has the faith, you know, and, and I don't want anything to do with that. And, um, of course, I gave her the name Anna Faith. Uh, she was adopted at birth, and so Anna became her middle name. Oh, wow. Okay? I know my daughter. She's now 21 years old. She's oh beautiful. She's thriving. But she carries the name Anna, and it took me, like, through through my awakening, which was very much reclaiming Mary Magdalene and putting her back beside Master Jesus, right? Okay. And that divine union that really satiated my soul, and oh. then to find out that my daughter was named for grandmother Anna, of course, oh. right of course <laughs> i I keep getting rolling chills here, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, yeah, so I am of this lineage, you know, as many probably listening are. And so just those, uh, I mean, massive sacred remembering breadcrumbs, right? But um, yes, so, so my affiliation with her is Anna for that reason.
1: Wow, how beautiful. And, you know, Anna and was known as the goddess of childbirth. Um, conception, you know, she's as Saint Anne, like yes. who is this Saint Anne since we don't see her in the Bible, you know, but nevertheless, she is considered a, a saint. And, you know, if you just look her up, even in Wikipedia, I mean, she was um, petitioned whenever women needed to go through a childbirth or when they wanted to get pregnant, you know, so it just feels like, wow, there she was with you right away from the beginning, you know, helping you to remember some aspect of yourself. And I, there's so many women and and men, I mean, people of all gender identities who connect with me um, and tell me their stories or, you know, they they just feel part of this lineage um, in one way or another. So I think there's so much awakening, like a lot of us are back now. (laughs) Yes. You know, this great unveiling is happening and it's such a gratification to your soul to have that. And, you know, what a healing as though she's saying to you, this child isn't dirty. This child is divine. This child is wanted. This child is sacred. And it it felt feels to me like it was this comforting message to you, really.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. And I knew that I knew that I was her, um, like, uh, like harbinger. Is that the right word? Like I was like her guardian. I was, I was bringing her through and I knew that my life would actually, um, flump for a while. Like I knew that it would be very, very hard for me for a time, wow. but I knew that my job was to get her through. Wow. Um, and so yeah, yeah and then it took me, you know, the better part of two decades, like a good yeah. decade and a half to um really have the remembrance and I mean even me saying right here right now that I'm a member of this lineage like I don't broadcast that I am right now obviously yeah. <laughs> but, but you know it's like the yeah. things that come back and then I think it's important for us to um to put these things to voice like you have done in in the book. And like we're doing here with our voices um, to say, yes, like this lineage is alive and well on the planet. And, um, and it is the time for, for this great remembrance.
1: It's so astounding, isn't it? When you really think like, oh my gosh, 2000 years. And this stuff has just been suppressed and suppressed. And where have we been? Like, thinking about divine birth is something real like that got completely squashed and yeah Yeah. it's part of the awakening along with everything else that that is being restored with the feminine so it's a fascinating time that we're in it really is
0: and yeah my soul had this intuition somewhere last spring to um Learn about Immaculate Conception, and that's actually how I found your book, um, which I think I told you the first time we talked, and you kind of made a joke like, "Sure, Sarah, it's really common for you for someone to just like, you know, want to research Immaculate Conception." So, you know, the soul was like knocking, "Hey, it's time to learn about um, this information and and like womb magic and potential." So, I would love to dive into immaculate conception, divine birth. I mean what was going on there in that priestess lineage.
1: Right, right. That they were able to do this. Yeah. Exactly. And so I tend to use the terms miraculous conception, not immaculate because okay. the whole Catholic Church. They put that whole, you know it it, it is know. describing Mary's birth from from And, but their overlay is that, and no, no sexual feeling was involved because sex is a bad thing, you know, and that really wasn't it, you know, cause this, this to give birth divinely, you know, in other words, to conceive within your body without male sperm is a highly erotic act.
0: I, of course. That's, it's like, it's,
1: yes, very, very and, sexual. Yes. Very <laughs> sexual, very sensual. I would even say that an orgasm is part of it, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. And so, I I use the terms miraculous conception, virgin birth, divine birth. Sometimes the women are virgins, um, sometimes not so in the sense that they may, may be having an astral type of sexual encounter with a god, or they may be involved in a kind of a tantric union with like a high priest. And so, they're not technically a virgin, you know, but so there are different types and different there was a different a trajectory of how these practices went, but the purest form of it is what I call is parthenogenesis, which means parthenos is the maiden. Gignes, thigh is to be born, to be born of a maiden, meaning to be born of a woman without sperm of any kind. Uh, we recently had the, the California condor that parthenogenetically produced another condor bird within her body. Um, And so like this, this can happen biologically in the biological world, especially under conditions of duress or environmental pressure and things like that. Um, It can be experimentally induced at times, but we're talking about spiritual parthenogenesis, a true virgin birth where generally these women had to remain celibates in order not to have any interference of an energetic from a, from a male, um, not to have any interference from a lineage from a male, not to have any claiming of the lineage by the male line. So it was a really high level priestess act. That was an inner tantra an inner weaving and activation of one's own egg that it seems from my research that I've described in these various books that you mentioned, um, is a becoming androgynous a becoming both you become the male female so that you're able to just whoop, spark your egg. But obviously these women are working with high level, the high level light interface because Claire Hart song calls these conceptions, light conceptions. And mm. I remember having this conversation with her, you know, after, after I'd written my book and I started writing, you know, reading hers. And, um, yeah, she said they were light conceptions. And I just went, I know that because I read in the ancient Greek tradition that there, some of these are described as like a light coming down from the heavens, um, impregnating the woman. So there's this element of the supernal light that's connected with the DNA and that creates an androgyny and a conception so the woman is operating, I mean, just imagine the levels of yoga that she's doing in order to have a conception of this nature. Okay. We can only, you know, I go into yeah. some of that, that discussion in the book based on these little tiny shards that are given in that infancy gospel of James. I go as absolutely far as I can based on that. Obviously Claire heart song um, is going even a little farther and So, yeah, I mean, there were various aspects of this practice of parthenogenesis, which originally gave birth to female children, but then the women knew how they could figure out how to give birth to a male child with that. And then again, there were these later phases where the woman would be even interrupted in her divine birth conception by the advent of an unbidden male god who would come into her ceremony and rape seduce her. And then... So the yeah so then the 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 conception would actually be from the god as well as the female and there are many stories throughout ancient Greece and beyond of these people who were born as the children of the gods from these rape seduction mm-hmm. uh, ceremonial situation s- situations and this is where we have the rapes of the maidens in the Greek tradition that's really what it's describing this That's what it is. Okay. All right. T- this prediction,
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay, and then we have you know this other formula where the high priestess and the king, or the high priestess and the high priest, would get together and have a, a sacred conception with male sperm being involved, but it's thought to be a divine conception from the spirit of the god, and that's the um, the uh, Egyptian pharaonic lines supposedly came forth through that technology, and then we have the technology of The sacred dildo, Um, and this is where Isis is the dildo of Osiris comes in for her to get pregnant with with Horus. That's a. It's really interesting because Rudolf Steiner says that Mother Mary's previous incarnation was as Isis. Okay. So, and that feels like truth to me. So that if we see this as a continuum in her lives, she was trying to perfect this divine conception and she was eventually weaning herself off the phallus, right? So Isis was just working with the golden phallus, but not the actual physical phallus. But by the time she's Mary, she knows how to do this internally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's some of the discussion of the, the timeline, the technologies used we're starting to get at some of the, Finer tools that would have been used, but again, I do talk a lot more about that in the mystery tradition of miraculous conception, the newest book.
0: Yes, everyone by the book. Uh, everyone by the book. This is yeah. so good. Um, so let's talk about patriarchy a little bit more because of course, they would want to interrupt this. So you're saying this was common. like this this was throughout
1: history. The priestesses had access to this. They did. They did. And I wouldn't, it still was a rarefied. Yes. Yes. You know, it wasn't for everyone and it it wasn't even accomplishable by everyone. You had to be of a certain order, a certain type. Now that said, some of the women who were in a degraded form of the practice really misused it. You know, we might consider Olympias, the mother of Alexander, the great so-called great um she's supposedly one who gave birth in this way but through an encounter with Zeus Ammon and um you know that led to this kind of wild marauding <laughs> alexander who was just causing trouble on the planet um whereas there were other women who were bringing forth more much more beneficial beings like Perictyone, the mother of um plato and Pythias, the mother of Pythagoras. They were said to have had divine uh, intercourse with Apollo, and those two males were, were the, uh, be- the result of that. Now, those two males gave blessings to humanity. They were there to help open humanity's consciousness, Plato with all his precepts and Pythagoras with all of his precepts. Um, so, it really depended on the level of the priestess what the level of the child was that was coming in. The integrity,
0: the spiritual
1: connection. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, I'll mention to you, because this is just coming in, you know, about your, this pregnancy, it feels karmic. A typical story that you would hear in the ancient Greek is that um, the divine birth priestess was pregnant her parents are all getting all upset because they don't really know if she had sex with someone or if she didn't. um, And, or they don't believe that there there could have been another way that she could have had sex. And so both the female and the child are thrown to the fates to see if they're going to live or die, you know, and there are these, you know, so it feels like there's almost something coming in there about that point at which the parents find out, And it's like you were maybe working something through, but if you go to the cult of divine birth in ancient Greece, you'll see some of those stories of the women, um, you know, like Danai who gets cast into the sea with her child, uh, Perseus, I believe. So um, yeah, these are just little tidbits Mm. that I'm I'm offering here.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. And I am writing like the memoir, but the memoir isn't, quite coming through because it's not meant to be a suffering story. It's meant to be like a sacred remembrance story. And so, um, this throws a whole other layer on there, but her father was actually um, like a very, very close love. My daughter's father, this is the first time I'm speaking about this. He wouldn't have a problem with it, but we were separated because like he was Um, I mean, it was all divine, like, it was very divine. Our souls go back and back and back and back. Um, But he was very much separated out. And then I was kind of like alone and, you know, had to give this baby away. And um, it took he and I like 16, 17 years to come back around. And now we're some of the best friends. But I know that it is an ancient, ancient story. Um, But it was also so the severance from like sacred masculine like i was told that he was terrible um, but he really wasn't, and it like skewed my um, concepts of masculinity for a very, very, very long time. Um, because I was like very impressionable as this, you know, youth that had to give away her baby. It was like very traumatizing, um, and so yeah, there's something there. We're we're weaving. There are lots of energetics present because this, this piece about the severance of the sacred masculine right there, uh, you know, and like the, the taking of the power at the point of pregnancy that yeah. does feel very, very old.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you might find some codes or memories getting sparked. If you go back to the yeah. line birth in ancient Greece and read it. Um, okay. yeah. Um, I think you'll, There'll be a lot of information for you there. Mm.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Something is weaving. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in a client session, and it was we were um, very much in the records, and it was very, very clear that I was to tell her that she had been a priestess of miraculous conception. Wow. You know, so I know, and I was like, "Whoa, I don't know what this means," but it's showing up yes. in my life more. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. So the veils are coming off. Uh, They are, uh, they are. So yeah, is there, there just feels like another question. I don't have the question to articulate, but is there anything else about
1: patriarchy kind of interrupting this that you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, it is something that I talk about throughout all of these books uh, that I've written. It, Virgin birth is the most threatening thing possible <laughs> to patriarchy. There we go. That's why. <laughs> so that's pretty much it, bottom line, yeah. because it puts women outside of any of the control mechanisms that are generally used to keep women in line, um, to control their energies, to control their offspring, to control, you know, whatever. And so... It's um obviously it's something that needs to be made into a biological impossibility by patriarchy. Yeah. And um it needs to be veiled even by the religions that kind of rely on it <laughs> for their <laughs> validation that they yes. are bringing forth authentic streams of spirit-connecting information and characters. So, you know, as always, um, the Christian establishment, they both show and hide the thing at the same time because they know that there's a power underneath it, but they don't want to show it too much because they don't want you looking too closely because then you'll start getting curious, not only about these characters, but about all women, you know, and And what are they capable of? What are they capable of? What, what is the womb actually capable of? And goodness, if women could start conceiving outside the bounds of even sexuality, which of course is a totally contested hijacked field by controller forces on so many levels with what has come in to create disturbances, like, you know, your experience with your, your love. And, um, So, you know, I mean, it's like, it's a whole, that's why it's the time is now to start all of a sudden, like we're realizing that the scales are falling off our eyes, like what this stuff has been here for 2000 years. How come we have not looked at it this way? And it's like, well, I guess, you know, I and others came in at a divine timing, just like the Holy Family themselves, uh, to say, look, there's going to be enough of an opening that we've got to turn that key and open that door. This is going to be it. And it corresponds, it's going to be helpful to everything else that's going on on the planet right now. Because this divine birth technology can, and I sense, has been, can be and has been hijacked." So that's another way that it gets harvested. It gets, not only does it get veiled and pushed away, but it gets used, it gets veiled like, hey, this isn't real. Meanwhile, these controller beings over here are using it in an inverted way, just the way everything has been inverted by them to create problems on the planet. Um, And then it, it becomes used for hybriding projects,
0: Right, I mean, because it is the most powerful force.
1: Yeah, and yeah. who's coming in instead of the Jesuses of the world? We've got you know demon seed running. Around. So that's the other kind of scarier um, aspect of this um, that you know I've been talking about, and and that is coming up. And I think that we need to look at both, you know, how has this been used? How has it been hijacked? How is it maybe still being misused and how do women of integrity and connection with spirit who are spirit servers reclaim it and when and how and under what circumstances? And then the next step in that. So it's like understanding what are the mechanisms. And I mean, I was shown when I was doing this research back in the early 2000s that it would be something like 30 or 35 years before enough of the codes were back that women could actually start doing it again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I do know that there are women who are collecting the information now. And for all I know, there could be an unbroken lineage of women who have done this, but and bless them, you know. Mm-hmm. But also we we look at whether ultimately it's even an outdated technology if we can all have our own divine birth. Our own ascension. Right, like, we, in, like in, in, cent, the incension. The incension. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't like. Within, a life, within mm-hmm. our lifetime, because a lot in of us ascension. are really into incending, ascending, incending, because it's an inward process, right. into fifth dimension, into the next dimension. I mean, something that Mother Mary and Jesus were able to do at the end of their lives. They, they apotheosized. They went into the final ascension. Mother Mary merged with Divine Mother you know, Jesus merged with divine masculine father. Um, we're all kind of on that path, many of us, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what is the role of divine birth in a world in which many people are trying to simply turn on their divine human blueprint? Right,
0: right. I I feel to speak something and, and even, you know, for as bold as I am on my old, own podcast, this is even like, Holy crap! I can't believe I'm uh, sharing this, and I think it's important for this conversation because it's like um, you're just. You know, I think I'm living a real world application of what you're sharing because um, you know I, I personally hope I don't have to have another baby. <laughs> like I don't want that to be the end of the story. Uh, you know, uh, now above forty years old, um, I do have. I have a son as well, a, a almost thirteen year old son. Wow. And so, um you know uh, my curiosity about this miraculous conception, I do hope it does not end <laughs> in me um having to have a baby, but this is what I was going to say. you know, I have met many um, soul brothers who are in this lineage, like I have partnered with men who are in this lineage and a part of remembering Mary Magdalene and remembering that sacred sexuality and and my own soul's priestess lineage and, you know, this immaculate conception like wasn't even on my radar a couple of years ago, but I did know that I had these past lives as, um, you know, a dakini, a, a priestess, uh, like had sexual healing powers, didn't know Exactly what that meant, and um, I'm not a casual person at all, and so it would be the partners that would come into my life uh, you know it was like one brother on the Christ lineage and then another and then another, and like very very close relationships and um just kind of recently um, there was like a spark and a remembrance of someone who um, I've never shared with him that I think this, but that it was another one, right? Like another soul brother in the lineage. And what I was shown, because I kept partnering with men who had not done their deep remembrance work, like, you know, mm-hmm. the trauma healing, like everything we need to do to clear this lineage and to like resurrect the light. And it, it was an every time, Marguerite, it was infiltrated by this dark energetic, I mean, this archon, like, oh my God, they would just come in and hijack the man. And then he would kind of energetically attack me. And so I was very much shown this summer as I was, you know, in this Uh, womb awakening that, and it was just pings, right? Like, hey, pick up some books about this and, you know, pay attention and, um, you know, something's happening. Meanwhile, life is happening, right? So, we're modern women, these things are getting pinged. Um, But I was shown, there was a part of me that wanted to open up a relationship with this man because I could feel the heart's connection, but there was still enough, um, like I'll say collapse, um, that he had not done his part of the remembering. And I was shown like, you don't do that anymore. You you cannot enter into these partnerships with these men who have not done their own remembrance Mm -hmm. because that is like the recipe for the Archon, uh, for these deceptors to get in And attack you in the womb space, like attack you in the spaces that count and destroy you as a woman. And I've been through that multiple times, four times counting my father. And so um, they definitely, you know, the guides were like, you hold the seed from now on, like you do not, you know, engage sexually yeah. with these men until the, like the light being comes in, you know, the man who has embodied the light.
1: Um, and so, yeah. And, you know, of sharing, but... and, you know, that's important because all of this is so relevant to what women are going through, especially women of, of priestess service. Um, first, what's coming to me is that in a way divine birth may have developed in the cauldron of all of that controller energy because it just became clear that they could not be in in any way infiltrated by a human male in this so they moved from tantra into virgin birth and uh, parthenogenesis however then what happens is the male entities themselves will come in, you know. So there, there's, there's a constant attempt at hijacking um, of the womb space and the womb energy in in a in a planetary system where controllers have already taken claw, right? <laughs> taken claw into it, and so they've continued to um, siphon off and attack the womb space through all of these repeated intergenerational traumas that have been upon us. And then if people don't do their deep clearing work, you're susceptible at one of the you know chakras for these beings to come in, which is what you experience, what others experience. And so what's happened, the good news is that, you know, Lisa Renee, who is a major Oracle on the planet, has been saying over this last year that the Magi Grail King, Hieros Gamos template yes. is available again. Oh, so, I feel it. Yes. Yeah. So there yes. may be less and less of that issue coming up for people as an automatic something's always going to get in the way, right? Number 1. Yeah. And then number 2, as people realize that part of the ascension or incension work, whether you want to have a divine birth as a priestess of parthenogenesis, whether you want to have a divine birth as a couple, whether you want to just continue to give divine birth to yourself. Um, part of this is the healing, the release of the energies, the release of the trauma, and so forth. And one of the one of the things that I will mention that I've been trained to do and offer a class in this are the holy womb chakra teachings, mm-hmm. which is this consolidation of energy and, and information that Sri Kaleshwar got from these ancient. Manuscripts of India um, with a mantra and yantra practice that will purify, 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 purify your womb over a thirty-day period. If you do it, not a thirty-day, a uh, three-month, and boy, is mm. that powerful! It seems like, well, what could this really be doing? Oh, let me tell you, on every level of your life, including sexually, it's doing a lot. Mm. And if you faithfully go through this process. At the end, you're going to find even different types of partners coming in, um, a different kind of you know sexual relating. Really, quite amazing. So there are tools and techniques that are available to address exactly what you're talking about. This is just one you know possibility that people can go to the Seven Sisters Mystery School website and go to. Um, under the online courses, the Holy womb chakra teachings, and we even have a $50 discount awesome. between now and the end of December, 2021, but the course will always remain available. Um, okay. so there, you know, we do, not do we do not have to be stuck in these eternal cycles? No. And. No we're, we're getting better. And even as the world looks like it's starting to go to heck in the handbasket, you know, over the two years, like, Oh my God, this is the positive timeline, whatever. Um, (laughs) I think that, I think that these super positive things are happening at the same time. And some of these old, old, horrific, um, sexual traumas are, are being able to be released so that we can find our true partners. Whatever level we want to engage with them, and those women who do want to engage in parthenogenesis can do it again if they want to, or extreme high tantra with a man. Yeah,
0: yeah. What an amazing conversation. I love this so much. Um, I guess the next natural question, and um, if there's anything that you want to share, I think we're beginning to come to a close, but... um, You know, do do people reach out to you in present time that have been experiencing this, that have divine birth?
1: Yes, yes, for sure. I imagined. Yeah. Yeah. Over the years. And you know, as I was writing the dissertation that became basically now these three books, um, I was being shown that that this there would be a long trajectory out into the future and people would want to start coming to me for guidance, what have what have you, look at the books and um, get whatever codes they need. So yeah, um, quite a number of people over the years have spoken to me either as part of classes or you know, after weekend workshops or for private one-on-one work for us to look at, okay, what, are your, what, are, what is your instinct about your memories here or how far do these memories go? I can assist them with that. And most important, what does it mean in this life for you? what do you still need to clear and heal from that? Um, And what do you want to take from it going forward? How do you want to empower yourself? And um, so, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're a guide uh, for people as well. I think more and more people working as healers and clairvoyants for people are going to have this come up uh, as, as women reawaken. You know, it's kind of like, We've had all the witch-burning people. (laughs) We're all back, you know. Now it's like, you know, then there was like the oracle people. We're all back. And now it's the divine birth people who are oftentimes very much connected with the oracle centers or also had past lives as so-called witches or whatever were persecuted. So we're all just clearing this up energetically, timeline-wise, and, you know, so that we can reclaim our womb power for ourself in whatever way we want to use it and go forward to co-create the new earth with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. I can see so much more after this conversation, how, um, you, you said in the beginning, this is almost just the beginning of this in this in this timeline. And, um, I, I remember you said something like that. I think we spoke spoken like August, September. I don't know. Timelines are funny, but we spoke at some point and, um, I said, I'm just looking for some, you know, information on what is going on in the womb. And you said, I think it's still coming. <laughs> and so I can I can see and feel and and feel the excitement of that um, so much more after this conversation. Well, and so this me, thank you so much for being on the leading edge and for bringing well, this book forward. And you're welcome. Um, you're yeah, welcome. Devote- it's been
1: a very intense journey, I have to say. Um, I imagine. Yeah, is there anything from your story you want to share? Really glamorous. I mean, well, a lot, a lot of um, struggle and suffering to do it. A lot of sacrifice. I
0: imagine so. And please feel free to, to share anything. I, I'm prompted to ask
1: what made you interested in this in the first place? You know, I got a downpour during doing some research on Demeter and Persephone for my master's thesis at the California Institute of Integral Studies. And um, I just I was reading this this one particular book one day and she was talking about um, the Demeter and Persephone story as being ultimately a Parthenogenesis story. And I just it was like, whoa, this is a power of the female and this is the power of women women were actually doing this divine birth business. And so I started looking at, I was intrigued by priestesses of ancient Greece. I wanted to catalog all of the details of whatever has been written about them. And when I started going with that thesis in mind, wow, all of this stuff started unfolding. But of course, it's a past life thing for me. You know, of I was just trying to remember yeah. where I had been and what this was all about. I had made a pact. Uh, to come back in this lifetime and open the doors again for divine birth as a real thing, because of a violation, a transgression, or let's say I was tricked by one of the male gods um, in one of my lifetimes, and I gave divine birth to one of the god's children instead of my own parthenogenetic issue, and I was so deeply mortally upset about that that I had agreed that I agreed to come back at a time. When it would be possible to open this information again, and that time is now, so I think that's kind of what I make of it, yeah, mm, mm. chills throughout
0: my whole heart when you said that, so thank you yeah. thank you for seeing
1: well, yes. like <laughs> so much suffering yeah. to get here so many missed experiences and and horror shows and um sacrifices of, you know, normal life type situations. And it's, it's been a lot and a lot of suffering to to do that karmic clearing for myself, that trauma clearing, that healing, which of course is always an ongoing process, but I'm realizing lately that um, I'm, I'm rounding a corner with it happily, you know, and mm-hmm. which happens to correspond with the end of my fifties, the completion of Pluto being opposite my son, my natal son, which is like you might as well just cash it in and just <laughs> yeah. under the covers for three years because it's like hell, you know, the hell realms. And then I just I'm completing a Saturn return, you know, as of this mm. again, like amazingly. So wow. it's like oh, a lot of the penance, um, it, you know, has completed. It yeah. feels
0: oh wow, and you just turned fifty. I just turned. I
1: just turned fifty. <clears throat> I'm fifty nine. So oh, okay, be- okay, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I just turned 40 this year, and I am sometimes not so happy with how much more I have to do, you know. (laughs) um, Hang in there,
1: sister. (laughs) Hang in there because things the atmosphere is getting a little easier for like with these things underneath that are happening. The atmosphere is getting a little easier to do it. Yes, yes. My friend who studies human
0: design, she said, uh, "Well, remember, you're still on the roof for like another ten years." You know, <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh gosh," but yeah, I, um, it, yes, uh, humbled, um, honored, and you know, it, it just keep going. Just the, keep whole, going. the
1: whole, <laughs> the whole. Oh, the humbling, the humbling. You know, <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. Such a necessary part of it. Um I guess in order to be able to speak of these things with uh groundedness, you you have to be deeply humbled. <laughs>
0: Well, and like to be in the integrity, like we were mentioning before, you know, if you're going to hold, um, like your kind of, um, I'll say position like here on this planet, you know, you you need to be in integrity to bring these codes forward. You
1: do, you do. You need to deal with so much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and get into the compassion around that for yourself and other people, you know, so it's a journey that's, that's a whole other parallel story, right? (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming and, um, please share with us. I I definitely need to do this womb course, which uh, you had already told me about, but, um, yeah. So the seven sisters mystery school and, um, you had a coupon to share with everyone. Yes. Please share whatever
1: you'd like. Right. So between now and December 31st, 2021, you can get $50 off, um, Either what I mentioned before, the Holy Womb Chakra teachings, which is that really fundamental course, which, by the way, Sri Kaleshwar says that those were the, some of the practices Mother Mary used, some of the mantras and yantras, um, as well as what I have called the Mother Mary Mystery Teachings, another course that's like a six-week or a six-session course, everything you want to know about Mary from esoteric uh, womb perspectives and finding out about her as a power priestess that she really is. Um, so you can, it, it's HOLIDAY50, all capital letters, HOLIDAY50, um, okay. all word, okay? And then what I also have is a monthly circle for a low subscription price, which it's called the monthly Mother Mary Love and Empowerments Circle, And that meets the third Thursday every month going into January on into the new year um, for just $27 a month. And but all of those things can be found if you basically go to the homepage, Um, they're pretty much listed even on the homepage right there. And um, you'll be put on the email list or you can sign up for the email list and keep an eye on what else I have coming up. And obviously, you know, you can get the book the mystery tradition of miraculous conception in paperback kindle and audible uh cuz oh, i recorded the audible version so that's that's kind of a wonderful thing right. to have to get the energetics that uh were put into that um yes. so yeah so there are there are a number of um of resources that people can have and so when you go to seven sisters mystery school the seven is written out s e v e n okay And yeah, there's lots of other free stuff too. Other talks I've done about Mother Mary, um, each interview that I've done and on my YouTube channel, it's kind of its own thing. Some of the information overlaps, but because of just the unique point in time that I am at with it and the interviewers' questions and so forth, each one brings out its own you know, yarn, um, if you will. So you could, you could be at those free, free YouTubes for a long time under my name, Marguerite Rigolioso. So
0: wonderful. We'll make sure this one gets on there as well. Um, Sure. will. yeah. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I'm just breathing with the acknowledgement of the, the major, major codes that you're carrying. So Thank you.
1: Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you as well. And so we'll see how this all unfolds with you and with people Mm -hmm. listening. And yeah. And if people want guidance, obviously they can come to you. They can also come to me. I do one-on-one sessions. I have three session, um, especially price packages as well. And I'm always happy to work with people on this level too. So
0: wonderful. So good to know. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye, Sarah. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to my guest today, Marguerite. Oh my goodness, you're a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for being here and sharing. And thank you to Every listener who tuned in today, and I oh, I cannot wait to hear how this percolates through your system. And yeah, I'm just feeling the strength of this community right now as we, all of us, you know, hundreds of us have now heard this information, um, and it is. You know, an activation in the system, an activation of your own sacred remembrance. So trust the activation, trust, um, what it sparks inside of you. And we would love to hear from you, um, in the sacred remembering community. Don't forget, you can find that at sarapoet.com. It's under groups and We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you in that community and, um, you know, be a support as well as get to know you, okay, and hear what you have going on on your journey and just celebrate this amazing time on the planet with you. I am Sarah Poet. You can always, always, always book a free 15-minute call with me. You can do that at sarahpoet.com. And I, I love to talk to you about your next steps, about anything that you've heard on the podcast, and about the best way that we could potentially work together moving forward. So you can schedule that at sarahpoet.com backslash book, and that 15 minutes is yours. No obligation. I would love to meet you. Be my pleasure. So until next week, this is Sarah Poet sending so much love to you on your sacred remembering journey. This is Sarah poet of embodied breath. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious. What was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path please be sure to check the show notes subscribe to this podcast share with a friend and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts i love to hear from you stay connected and here's to your path of sacred remembering